What is up, podcast listeners? This month we got a we got a couple treats for you. This one is going to be Brad Cooper. Brad Cooper is our family pastor. He spoke at the most excellent way to lead conference, and I personally took more notes from this message than any of the other speakers that day. Um, and all of the speakers were great, but I I asked his permission. He said yes, and I wanted you to be able to enjoy Brad Cooper from the most excellent way to lead conference. What's up, y'all? Go ahead and grab a seat. Um, in, in traditional Perry Noble form, he's going to try to take uh, an event that he is the man for. We're here today celebrating what God has done in him and the leadership that God has flown through him. And he's going to try to make all the other attention go on all of us. And I just want you to know that that's a Jesus thing in him. And so um, I would be wrong if I didn't come out here and say, the one thing that I do have and possess that nobody else on this, this ticket today you're going to hear from has, they all know Perry very well. They are all voices in his life. But the one thing that I have that none of them have is that I've gotten the privilege of working under him for 10 years. And so when the guy writes a book called The, the Best Way, The Most Excellent Way, and you hear him talk about leading, I get to be the one that raises the hand and says, he has the character to write that book. He can say those things and they're true things. And so I'm grateful to my pastor. Thank you so much for letting me be up here and just amen that. I was thinking about it in preparation. Um, hold on. Pastor Perry has been my pastor in my life longer than any other pastor. I was thinking about that the other day. I've, had, I've, I've, I've been the benefit of being under some really great pastors. Every minister in my life has been a great pastor. Uh, I have not been scarred and jaded toward the church growing up, but I've been able to serve um, not on staff, but as, a, as a, an attendee at New Spring Church for 11 years. And I can't say that about anybody else. So I'm grateful for that. And I look forward to the future. And I'm grateful for all of you to be here today to hear some great, great leadership. Now, here's the other thing as we segue, okay? Um, I'm the one o'clock time slot. I'm not going to come up here and complain about that because I'm excited to be here. I hope you're pumped to be here, okay? So here's what I decided I was going to do is take some extreme ownership. I've got some five-hour energy drinks. I'm going to have one of these in just a moment, but I need some friends that want to have one with me. All right, right here. All right, right back here. All right, I'm coming over here this way. Right there, right here in the front row. Right here, you're in the front row. All right, I'm coming. Nobody in the balcony? You guys doubt me is what's going on, all right? Now listen, if I, if I knock somebody out down here, I'm sorry. I'm going to do my best. Is it going to make it? I, oh, I promise that's the first time that's ever happened here. All right, we'll go try that again. I'm coming back. I just want you to know I, I can get it there. Oh. The appropriate effect, the appropriate effect. One more time. One more time. Right back here. I did it again. I did it again. And last one. All right, if you got one. See, there's nobody asleep now. Everybody's awake. All right. On three. One, two, three to the king. All right. Now we're ready. So I want to talk to you today. If you can lean in and focus. I'm going to use all the time on my counter, all right? And uh, everybody else will stop it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm probably not going to use all the time on my counter. I want to talk to you today about something I think everybody in the room is concerned about. And it's something that I think it doesn't matter if you're a parent and you came with a spouse or if you're a marketplace leader or if you're a leader in the church. It is something that the reason you're here, I think, for many of you is you made a conscious decision that you care about this thing. 
It is important to you. And if you're here and you didn't make the conscious decision to care about this thing, it's because somebody who loves you bought a ticket for you, said you're gonna take this day and come with me because I think you should care about this topic. And so here it is, one, two, three, growth. Say it on three, one, two, three. Tap your neighbor, say, you gotta care. About growth, about growth. So let's talk a bit about growth. Let's think about it for a moment. When we think about growth, if you're in the marketplace, growth looks like the bottom line, right? I mean, that's how you do business, right? You're gonna hear from Dave Ramsey in a little while and he's gonna talk about, you know, hey, money, he's known for money, he's the money man, right? He's gonna talk a bit about that. Money makes a really bad God, but it's a great tool. And you, when you're making business happen, you care about growth because it's about the bottom line. You care about, maybe you're here today and you, you've got a storefront and you're thinking about, well, hey, I'd love to grow and grow this thing into a franchise or maybe you represent a greater, bigger entity. And so you care about growth because you've got shareholders or, or maybe you care about growth because it's gotta get bigger than just like the entity internet thing that you've got going on right now. It's got to go beyond that. Maybe you're in church world and you care about growth because hello, church people, growth is not something that we um, get a choice on, by the way. Uh, If you're in maintenance mode here today, then you're also in disobedience mode because the Bible says very clearly that we've got to be concerned about growing and pushing it forward. Amen. That we've got to be concerned about this thing called growth. And so um, we don't get an option in this church, people. Uh, And so I don't know if you're here and you're thinking about, okay, we've got one campus and we're trying to think about how we can raise up and develop and grow leaders so that we might be able to send them to be missionaries. Or maybe you're jumping in like we are to this whole context and concept of multi-site where you're thinking, okay, how can we grow up leaders and then grow up campuses in other places around the country so that the gospel can go forward and people can hear the good news and know the hope of Jesus? You have to be concerned about growth. Inevitably, wherever you are, marketplace or church, if you are concerned about this thing, growth, then you're going to run into what I am going to qualify as a growth dilemma. And that is the title of this talk. It is called Growth Dilemma. Because if it is something you're concerned about, it doesn't matter if it's a bottom line issue, dollars and cents. It doesn't matter if it's a leadership issue. It doesn't matter if it's a personal issue. Growth will create a dilemma for you. It makes tension. So the way I'm going to define growth dilemma for us, and then you can apply it in your context as best you can, or you can apply it in your leadership as best you can, is this. Here's the definition of growth dilemma. A growth dilemma is when opportunities for growth outpace leadership capital. That's specifically the growth dilemma I want to talk to you about today. Now, I want to just take take a moment right here I know we don't just have the folks in the room. We got folks on the internet watching from all over the world. Think about this for a bit. When you and I are growing and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as leaders and you're trying to navigate where where to from here, you're in charge of vision, you're in charge of future, you're in charge of defining reality and trying to navigate what's ahead, you have to figure out how to overcome the growth dilemma. You got to figure it out. It's something you must be concerned about. All right, now listen, I just want to talk about this for a moment, both personally and collectively, corporately, okay? Personally, there's a lot of folks that, and you know, we talked a bit about talent earlier. There's a lot of folks that maybe they have an opportunity for growth because they've got some incredible talent. All right, maybe they're incredible musician. Maybe they're incredible with finances. Maybe they're incredible with their ideas and the creation. Pastor Perry mentioned Steve Jobs. They've got opportunities for growth, but they don't have the leadership capital to support it. All right, And so what ends up happening when you come up against this growth dilemma, as I read on this, as I looked on this, as I evaluated history, as I considered where I've been, there really are only two outcomes up against this growth dilemma. 
The majority of people land in one of two places. Look at me in the eyeballs. You will land in only one of two places unless you figure out how to overcome the growth dilemma. The first place that you see so many people land, so many people land in the growth dilemma is the word fall. I want you to write it down. You come up against this growth dilemma, whether it's personally or corporately, and and you say, yes, we've got opportunities for growth, and I recognize, or I won't give any attention to the fact that I don't have the leadership capital, but I am unconcerned. We gotta make hay while the sun is shining. We've gotta go forward. We've gotta move. We've got the momentum is ours. I need to say yes to that opportunity. I need to say yes to this expansion. I need to say yes, yes, yes. And so this is what Jim Collins, if you guys are a fan of anything that he writes, he's brilliant. I would recommend anything he writes to you if you love leadership. But in How the Mighty Fall, he talks about the growth dilemma as being this. He says it's an undisciplined pursuit of more. That's the growth dilemma. And so you begin to say yes to things that you and I have no business saying yes to. We try to let momentum do it. So again, back to like an individual who is uber talented at something and somebody says, hey, I've got a growth opportunity for you. I want you to step on this stage and I want you to lead worship for this church. You're an incredible musician. You can play the piano. You can play the guitar. You've got an incredible voice. I saw you um, at the open bar, the mic night. Uh, You did the special for us in the BGV section. And now I want to give you an opportunity because you've got an incredible voice. I want to put your talent on display. You say yes to the growth opportunity in front of you, but you never actually had the character, the leadership, the integrity capital. And so here you are standing in the limelight with the microphone in your hand, leading people in worship. But in your personal life, you don't have the leadership capital to uphold it, and eventually you fall. Happens all the time. This is not news to you. It's not just in the church world, but we see this in marketplace space spaces too. We see this if you study politics. My background is a political science major from Furman University. Miss Lisa Turkhurst and I have that same background. She, of course, not political science. I think marketing is what she might have told me. Is that right? Marketing, communications? Communications, there it is. Okay, all right. So here's the deal. Maybe from that background, you think about it and, you, and, and you've got this opportunity to step out and and you know, you say yes to something. You say yes to opportunity because we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. But you don't have the finances, you don't have the leadership, you don't have the team in place, you don't have the infrastructure, the systems that you need, and you end up falling. Political science, again, background, the fall of Rome was about the growth dilemma. Go back and read on it. The Roman Empire, the reason that Rome is no longer an empire, but it's just a little city in the, in the nation of Italy is because they did not know how to navigate the growth. Right? They thought that they were just going to keep pushing forward. They had the military, they had the engineering, they had aqueducts, and they had the political system, and they had everything to manage. And so they pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. They said yes to all the opportunities, wider and wider and wider. And, and you know, you'd think that if they were going to fall, it was going to be like Persians or Assyrians or maybe the Egyptians or some other huge nation. No, it was the barbarian Germanic people that caused the fall of Rome right there in the center of their space because they said yes to opportunities, but they did not have the leadership and infrastructure that was needed to uphold it. So fall. The other thing that you'll choose if you don't choose fall is you'll stall, S-T-A-L-L, stall. And you'll look at this and you say, okay, I don't want to fall. I don't want to personally say yes to too much. I don't want to step out beyond what I'm supposed to. I want to, I want to operate here in humility or I want to operate here and just, we need to wait, we need to wait, we need to wait. And you end up in this place like stalling out. 
And I, I just want to say this, you can do this in the marketplace because it's your choice, it's your prerogative. If you're the boss, if you're the family business, um, I'm a product of family business. My granddad started a construction company that my, my dad and my uncle still lead to this day. My brother's involved. That's what I was getting my master's degree at Clemson in was construction when I started attending New Spring, okay? I understand the business world, the family business context, and you can manage how much you take on, right? You get growth opportunities and you say, well, wait, 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 we don't have enough personnel, we don't have enough project managers, we don't have enough laborers, we don't have enough infrastructure, we can just say no, we're going to turn down the opportunity to go there and make that money, we're going to turn down that opportunity and we're just going to kind of stall, we're going to kind of wait. You can do that if you're in charge in the marketplace. You can't do that all the time necessarily in church because again, we've got this command to go to the world. All right, And so we've got this thing where we've got to recognize we've got this impetus to go. We've got this command to go. We've got Jesus saying, I'm going to give you the power and I'm going to give you the ability to go and make a difference and change and move forward. And then all of a sudden you realize we don't have the leadership capital necessarily to do that. And so you, you kind of start stalling. And I think there's a lot of churches that they didn't mean to get here, but they end up in a place of just stalling because they didn't have the leaders in place. They didn't have the leadership capital in place. And so... I, Personally, if I can just be vulnerable for a bit, this is somewhere that New Spring Church has been. This, is, this has been the place that my mind has spent hours and hours and hours and hours and lots of emotion, lots of critical thinking in this place for several years as we have very openly said, we are trying to reach people far from God in the state of South Carolina. That is what we are doing. We wake up trying to do that. We go to bed with that in our minds. We think about our meetings, we program, we, we do everything we can do to reach people far from God in the state of South Carolina. We are trying to say yes to growth opportunities. But in the midst of that, we also recognize that we have a need for leaders all the time. That like we can't have 16-year-olds leading campuses, right, necessarily. Maybe there's somebody out there who's super anointed, as Pastor Perry talked about. But the reality is that doesn't go so well. They've got to have, not, they've got to have the leadership capital. So I have wrecked myself in thinking, how do we get more leaders? Is there any other way? Is there any other options besides fall and stall when you're dealing with the growth dilemma? And the answer is yes. Good news. And so if you are here and you want to know if there's any other way, I want to warn you that you will fall or you will stall if you do not look and take the third option that I'm going to show you for the next few moments. And I want to show it to you because it's the one that Jesus Christ uses. And I want to show it to you in the book of Luke. And if you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, I'm going to specifically point out the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 52. And I want to show you that Jesus Christ used this growth. And so here's the question that I want to put before us all. And this is why my gas can is up here. If you guys watch Pastor Perry, his message on Sunday, if you keep up with that, he poured gas on him on stage. I'm not doing that today. Um, you'll have to go watch it if you haven't seen it. But I wanted you to get the thought in your mind of an accelerant. And so here's the question I want to pose. Is there any way... Is there any way to accelerate our leadership growth? Is there a way? We've got to. If we've got these opportunities before us, Pastor Perry mentioned it earlier, if there's less people coming to church, there's less people saying they're Christian, that, that should be a huge blinking sign saying there's opportunities to share my good news, to share my hope, to share what I have, my love with people. There's opportunities for growth in front of you. In the marketplace, there's opportunities for growth. There's opportunities for expansion. You've got a great product. The, the demand is high and you've got the supply and you want to get it out there so you can make more and so you can expand your business. It's there, but you've got to figure out a way unless 
unless you are okay falling or stalling, you've got to figure out a way how to balance the equation, how to accelerate your leadership development, your leadership growth. And so I want to show it to you in Scripture. I'm literally going to point out the passage that Jesus Christ modeled this, and then we're going to look and see what he did, and then we're going to get really, really practical. Is that okay? Y'all still with me? Everybody in? All right, okay. So Luke 2, uh, 52, the Bible says this, and uh, I actually think it's going to be, I have to look and make sure that I've got it right here. I do. Bam. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Right there. Boom. I want to show you where Jesus Christ grew. I want to show you where Jesus Christ showed off the ability to grow. Now, just for a moment, I want you to really get involved in this because I don't know, you know, what you think about Jesus, but if you're in church world, it's kind of crazy that Jesus Christ grew, is it not? Is that not crazy? To think about God, who's always been God, who will always be God, stepped into humanity, and right here it says that he increased. He grew. He accelerated. And and it shows three specific things that I want to point out because I think this is what I'm talking about when I want to talk about leadership capital. It talks about wisdom, stature, and favor with two audiences, the primary audience with God and the secondary audience with man. And so if we can figure out how to do this, if we could all leave the conference today or watching online, you could leave wherever you are today and you could go back home and you could figure out how to grow your wisdom, how to grow your stature, and how to grow your favor with God and man, we would be winning, would we not? Tap your neighbor and say winning, hashtag winning. All right, we would be winning. So what did he do? What did Jesus do? How did he get right there? And obviously some of you guys, you already know what he was doing. What was he doing right here? Well, I want to read to you. And it's in the, in the previous verses in Luke 2, verse 41 through 46. And I want to point this out because I think it's so important. In all of Scripture, we only get a glimpse of Jesus Christ in the nativity context. We see him go to the temple when he was getting circumcised. That's the only early as a baby. And then we pick him up way back here when he's 30 years old and he's starting his ministry. And the only thing we get in between those two huge markers is this, what we're about to read. It's the only thing in Scripture. And I want to point it out because we don't know exactly how old he was when the wise men came, but most, most scholars think, you know, two, three, something like that, okay? And then we know he was 30. So the only glimpse, there's a reason that God gave us this glimpse of Christ in his adolescence, Christ in his growing season. And there's something so important here that I believe if you'll take it and begin to apply it in your leadership, you too will be able to overcome the growth dilemmas time and time and time and time again. So here it is. It's going to be on the screen in front of you. Luke 2, verses 41 through 46, the Bible says this about what Jesus was doing. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be with the group, that they went a day's journey, but when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem. Everybody say, uh-oh, one, two, three. Uh-oh. Now, I've got two daughters, all right? One is here with me today, and she's two months old, and she's with mama. And my other one literally turns two on Saturday, and we have not experienced this uh-oh moment yet, but I know it's coming because, you know, I grew up with a brother, and I remember getting lost in the mall. I remember one time specifically, sorry, I'm kind of going off track, but I remember one time specifically being at the mall, and I don't even know if they still do this because I don't frequent the mall, especially the women's section these days, but I remember going with my mother and my grandmother, and, and when you're in the mall, 
as a kid, the women's clothing section was like a playground. Specifically, I'm talking about the circular clothes hanger things. And my brother and I, to entertain ourselves while we, you know, instead of just like standing there watching them look at blouses, what's a blouse? Um, we would hide and we, you know, kind of duck in and it was like, I mean, we, we loved it. Belk, JCPenney, you know, we're hiding. And I remember like getting lost at the mall, you know, hiding inside of these, these clothing and where, where'd they go? And they're in this section and you don't know. And that, that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I've been left. I don't know. Um, I know it from a, a kid's perspective perspective. I don't yet know it from a parent's perspective, but I'm sure if you're a parent, this is the only thing I can think of. It's like home alone and then the mom, Kevin, that's all I can think of when I, when I hear. Okay. But that's what's going on. They assume that Jesus is with their, their folks, their people, to use Lisa's term, with the people. And he's not, they're asking around, is he with the cousins? No, he's not over here with the friends and neighbors. Everybody's going back to, to, to Nazareth. He's not there. Where is he? Well, let's go. Let's turn around. Let's go back. So let's pick it back up. So after they figured out he wasn't, um, 44, but supposing him to be with the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, 45. And when they did not find him, here it comes, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. 46 is the clue. After three days, that's ironic. After three days, they found him in the temple. Here it is, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. There it is. There is the key. Put your eyeballs on it. If you're online watching, right there it is. There is the key to the growth dilemma. When growth and opportunities for growth are outpacing leadership capital, if you do not want to fall and you do not want to stall, you better learn verse 46. That is the way in which we raise our personal leadership. It's the way we raise our team's leadership. It's the way we lead our people to raise their leadership capital. We must take on postures of listening and postures of asking questions. That's what we've got to do. And I'm telling you, as a young leader who's, who did not go to school for this, this is literally what I'm telling you. I've been so challenged by this, especially, again, as I've got a daughter, and she's now getting to that place where she's asking questions and she's wanting to know things, and I'm just anticipating that to come more. She's learning more in her life right now than she ever will. I think one of the reasons that they develop so fast as kids is because they're okay asking the question, why, and not feeling insecure about it. Why, 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 why? Why, why? And if we as leaders, what we do is we just get a little bit older and we get a little bit arrogant and we get a little bit prideful and we definitely get insecure and fear of man raises up and we go, I can't ask why. I can't do that. I can't sit down and say, explain that, unpack that for me. And that's not what the God of the universe who knew all things modeled. That's not what the God of the universe who is wisdom modeled. That's not what the God of the universe who does leadership, it's his essence, modeled. He modeled something completely different. And he said, this is the way if you want to accelerate your leadership, you better learn this posture. The more of it, the faster you'll go. The more of it, the faster you'll go. So here's the deal. What I want to do is spend the rest of my time, literally, just putting some questions before you. This is going to be so practical, and it's going to be food on your plate, and you get to decide if you're going to eat it or not. But what I want to tell you is if you would be willing to go back and put yourself in a posture where you sit and you listen and you ask questions, you will grow so fast and growth will come your way, opportunities will come your way, and you'll be able to step in them knowing that in Jesus' name you can walk into them with the leadership you need, okay? All right, so what I want to do is I just want to put some questions before you. The first set of questions that I'm going to put before you are questions that if you are courageous enough that you can ask of others to grow your leadership. And then secondly, what I want to do is I want to put some questions before you that you can ask of others to help grow their leadership. Is that okay? Does that work? 
All right, so here's a question that I want you guys to be courageous and I want you to ask, all right? These are questions to accelerate your personal leadership growth. Now, hold on before I even ask this first one because I know some of you are thinking this because I would be thinking this. Well, wait a minute, it's not just about asking questions because I've got that guy or I've got that girl that asks questions, but when they're asking a question, they're not actually asking a question, they're trying to make a statement. Anybody know that person? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? They got, they got a, a just enough wit about them um, to, to not just come straight out and say, I disagree with you, or just to, you know, jump out there and say, no, that's wrong. They try to phrase it in a question. They're usually super passive-aggressive, and this is the way they kind of go at conflict, you know, as they ask the question. So here's what I want to say. There's really two postures to asking questions, and I want to highlight one is the one we've got to take, and one is the one we've got to dig up out of ourselves, is you can either have a, listen, you can either be a critical thinker, or you can have a critical spirit. Critical spirits have to go away and critical thinkers have to come forward, okay? So taking these questions, if you're doing it because you're trying, you've got an agenda and you've got a critical spirit and you're going to take these questions and use them as weapons, all right, because you want to make a point or you want to point out somebody else or you want to be judgmental or talk down, that's not what this is about, okay? This is about having a, being critical thinkers. This is about loving the Lord with all of our mind, and thinking, how can we do this? How can we lead here? How can we grow here? Well, what do we need to do? What's the best option, okay? So as we think about this, I want you to highlight critical thinking, and I want you to dig at critical spirit, all right? Question number one. The way I phrased it was ask 360. What I mean by that is you can ask your boss, you can ask a peer, you can ask someone who is on your staff. If you're not in the context of work, you can ask your spouse, you can ask your kids, you can ask anyone who's in authority in your life. But here's a question you ought to ask somebody, I promise you, you'll grow. Ask, is there any area of my life or leadership you'd like to speak into? That'll accelerate somebody's leadership. Walk into your boss's office the next time you get a one-on-one -on -one meeting. Maybe you get an annual evaluation or a biannual, or maybe you're like us and fortunate enough that I get an opportunity bi-weekly to sit with my supervisor and sit in front of them, and I get to ask questions. Why don't the next time you get there, instead of waiting on them to have to tell you something, go ahead and put it out there in the posture of humility and say, is there anything in my life or my leadership you've been wanting to say? I give you the freedom to speak it. Come on, I'm ready for it. I promise you it will absolutely disarm them and they're going to be able to say some things to you that are going to help you. I promise. I remember specifically as I was thinking about this, there's been a couple of times in my life as I've been on staff here at New Spring inside of the student ministry world is where I, I, high school and then it kind of is expanded as Pastor P told you. Um, there was a couple of times that I felt really, really led to ask Pastor Perry, is there anything that you would want to see the student ministry doing differently? Seriously. Because here's the deal, if you're in youth world and you're a youth pastor, I want you to understand something. You are not the student pastor. Brad Cooper is not the student pastor of New Spring Church. Perry Noble is. I'm just the one entrusted to steward it, okay? And the same is true for whatever ministry area or if you're in the, in the world of, of business, your department, whatever. He is the one who's, who's calling the shots. And so I just, uh, you know, hey, is there something you'd want to see more of or less of? But specifically, when it comes to your life, when it comes to your leadership, ask your spouse, is there anything in my life that you would love to speak into? Husbands, challenge you. Go first in this. Instead of just waiting and saying, I sure wish she'd give me a chance, because if she gave me a chance to say this, I'd tell her, but I'm just waiting for the moment. No, 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 no. That's not how you love and lead, right? You go first. Leadership just means you go first. And so ask your spouse, is there anything in my life or in my schedule or in the way I'm doing life with you that you want to speak into, wife? Wives, do the same with your husbands. Ask your husband this. Is there anything in life or leadership that you would love to speak into? I promise you it will accelerate your growth. Question number two. 
Ask 360, if you had my job, what's the first change you'd make? Powerful question. Powerful question. I've had the opportunity um, over the last couple of years to step into some new worlds that I have no idea how to lead. All right? Um, I stepped into the world where I was, I was looking at children's ministry, and I, I was very much aware of our children's ministry. I celebrate our children's ministry. I believe, and I, no offense to any of you, but I believe I get to work with the greatest children's director in the history of the church in Sherry Duffy. I'm so grateful for her, okay? Um, sorry, it's just the truth, okay? But one of the things I know is when on paper, I'm the one supposed to be providing leadership for her, and I feel absolutely inadequate to do so, one of the most powerful questions I could ask her is, is after some time leading her, is, hey, Sherry, if you had my job tomorrow when it came to the way I lead children's mission, what's the first thing you'd change? I don't even give her room to say, well, there's nothing I'd change. I went ahead and said, there is something you'd change. And there is, of course, because there's always something she'd change. She's very good, and she's very detailed. And I just ask her this question, right? What's the first thing you would change? What if you went in and you asked your staff this question, senior pastors? Now, listen, it takes courage to be able to do this, but it would absolutely rock your world. Is this doing anything for anybody, or are you guys just, like, cut open right here? Okay, I just had to make sure you're still breathing with me. I need those, those 12 five-hour energy people to really come through, and the whole five-hour energy rain that happened right here, I need you guys to come through, too. Okay. If you had my job, what's the first change that you'd make? Just ask that question. Ask it of a boss. Ask it of a peer. Ask it of someone you trust, and just give them a chance to speak, all right? Question number three is this, ask 360, what's it like to be on the other side of me? If you've got a cell phone, I want you to take it out right now, right now. Cell phones, go ahead, pull them out. Take them out, please, 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 please. I, wanna, I want you to show them to me. Do the, come on, if you're online and you're with me, I want you to show them to me. All right, all right, I'm gonna use this as an illustration because it's been so helpful to think about. When you think about this question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? If you wanna really answer this, essentially, one of the mentors in my life asked me this, and he put it before us. When your phone call rings on somebody else's phone and they look down at it and they see your name, ring, 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 your name, ring, 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 your name. There's something that happens in their heart. That they, 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 don't, they just kind of boom, it happens. They look at that and they think something, they feel something. What is that feeling? That's the answer to that question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? When you're not guarded, you're not watching your words, when you pull your ringing, vibrating cell phone out of your pocket and you look down and you see my name, I wanna know what feeling pumps through your veins because that's gonna help me be a better leader to you. If it's fear, then I don't need that. If it's, oh my gosh, I don't need that. If it's, I gotta hit the, the be quiet button on the side, I don't need that. What is the feeling Again, this could be for a spouse, this could be for a husband, this could be for a coworker. this could be for a mentor. If you're the one who's constantly calling your boss and asking the question, you know, what do I need to do, what do I need to do, what do I need to do, you know, whatever, and you're all, what is the feeling that pumps through their veins when they look down and they see it's you calling? That's the, the answer to the question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? If you will ask somebody that one, I promise you, you're going to accelerate your leadership growth. Your leadership capital is going to go up because you're going to raise your EQ, you're going to raise your awareness, and you're going to become a better leader. These are just three questions for you to grow. Now listen, what I would encourage you to do as you think today, or maybe on the car ride back, or maybe as you're at the airport, I don't know how you came here, all right? Ask your team, what are some great questions? And I would just encourage you to go out and begin to collect great questions. Here's just three. I'm just trying to get the ball rolling. Get three or four good questions. You might even put them on your calendar. You might even apply them to your, your you know, wherever you are and say, I'm going to ask these biannually. I'm going to ask these quarterly. I'm going to ask these things every three weeks or whatever. 
Or maybe you're going to go through a group of people at the office and you're going to ask, you know, in just kind of randomized way. But here's three, ask them and you'll become a better leader. Now, the next section is this. I want to talk to you about questions to help accelerate others' personal leadership. Anybody in here have influence on anybody else in their life? Show me a show of hands right here. Think about it. Anybody in here a boss, a parent? All right, you're raising, you're shaping students. Okay, these are questions for you. Now, before I even jump into this, I'm going to use this very first one, and it's a super powerful question. But it's a powerful question specifically um, that was asked right here at New Spring Church, and, and I'm standing in the wake of this question. But here's a question that was asked right here at New Spring Church at one time. Here's the question. Ask them, the person that you lead or influence, what would you attempt for God if you knew you could not fail? Now let me tell you a little bit about this question because it just works so out that the person who asked this question of my pastor is here. Mr. Dell Sellers, where are you at, sir? Where are you at? Are you in the room right back there, right there in front of the house? I knew he was here. He's sitting there. Okay, Mr. Dell Sellers asked that question right there of my pastor 16, 16 or so years ago before Pastor Perry ever planted the church. The reason that's a powerful question is I walk by that quote every single day on the way to my office. I walk up a stairwell and I stare at that quote right there because it was that question right there in the life of my then a youth pastor, pastor that accelerated his leadership that said, you know what I would do? I would plant a church. I'd plant a church that wouldn't reach church people. I'd plant a church that would reach people far from God and help them to follow Jesus step by step. And I don't know how, and I don't know who's coming with me, but I know the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you got to do it. And it was the question of that mentor in his life that accelerated his leadership to say yes to going forward in whatever God called him to. So what would you do if you knew you could not fail? What would you do? What would you ask your staff and be courageous enough to ask them? What would you attempt for God if you knew you could not fail? He is with you. He is for you. He's behind you. He's doing growth. He's got a plan to move it forward. Go back and ask somebody that question. I promise you it will bless them. Question number two in this section. Questions to help accelerate others. Ask them, what would a great leader do in this situation? Has there anybody ever been in a situation where you don't feel like you have the leadership to be able to overcome it just Honest, honesty right here. You're like, okay, this is quite a sticky scenario. Maybe it's a legal scenario or maybe it's I didn't have the schooling to do it. I'm in a situation like this all the time where I don't know what to do or I'm leading leaders that don't know what to do. They come to me and say, I don't know what to do here. And this question right here is so powerful. Ask them just for a moment to push aside what they've done, what they think they should do, and just say, hey, listen, what would a great leader do if they had your job? What would a great leader do if they were in this situation? Think about a great leader. If they were in your role, what would they do? And then they begin to talk it out. They begin to think about it. And then you just simply say, yes, now go be a great leader. It's incredibly powerful. This has been so helpful for me, but it's so helpful for others. I literally used this question yesterday. I was meeting with a student from a local university who's been voted in as a president at his university of a huge organization. And he's got quite an obstacle in front of him as he's trying to navigate things that people before him have done. He didn't have any business or he didn't have any, any really um, sewing into what the dilemma was he was dealing with, but he inherited all of the op obstacle. And so I just said to him clearly at lunch, I said, hey, what do you think a great leader would do? You're dealing with this, this spat, this conflict, this issue, this tension, this friction, this obstacle. What would a great leader do if in the, in the same situation? He started to talk it out. He started to think, and I just simply said, hey, now go be a great leader. And it's that simple, but it's a great question to ask in a scenario there. The last one in this section is this. Ask them, what's the greatest challenge you are currently facing? And then when they tell you, say, how can I help? How can I help? Super simple, but leaders 
that have influence, if you would just look at your people and say, hey, what is the greatest frustration? What's the greatest obstacle? What's the greatest challenge you're facing? Hear them. So often we are so quick to speak, we're so quick to dictate, we're so quick to go, 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 go. And we don't sit and posture ourselves like King Jesus showed us how. He said, just listen and ask questions. And I mean, just think about the leadership of Christ. He made lots of of declarative statements, but how often did Jesus Christ in his ministry ask questions? right? Leadership is like a rope, right? You don't use a rope to push, you use a rope to pull. And I I mean, in my office today, right now, I have a rope over my doorknob so that I think about it all the time. Leadership is meant to pull people along. And Jesus asked great questions. And this is one of the things that you can do is look at your people and say, hey, what's your greatest frustration? What's your greatest obstacle? What's your greatest fear? And then how do you think I can help? I'm here to help. Leaders serve, great leaders serve. I'm here to help you. What can I do? And I'm telling you, these questions will help accelerate their leadership growth. And that way you guys are going to step into the growth opportunities personally and collectively that you have. All right, so here's the deal. Here's what I want to do to close. Is I want to put a slide before you because I want to show you that Jesus did this on both sides. We got a chance to look at him at 12 and see how he was postured with a critical mind, learning from men he created. Think about that. Learning from the guys he created to show growth in wisdom and stature and favor before God and man. But then as he developed his disciples, he also led them with this same posture. And I want to show you this slide. This is my slide. On the left side, I want to point out this gentleman. Here's a leader. His name is Simon. Simon is from the region of Galilee. Uh, We get a very clear picture of him in chapter 16 of Matthew. If you want to go and look at this entire picture, you can go and look at it in Matthew 16. And Simon from Galilee is the son of Jonah. It states very clearly, Simon Bar-Jonah, if you're looking at your ESV, or Simon, son of Jonah, if you're looking at another translation. And we know him as a fisherman. But then on this side of the screen, come over here to this side with me. We've got a completely new identity, and we've got a completely new sonship. This is Peter, and he's a son of God, right? Matthew 16 says... Something very powerful here. I want to show it to you in just a moment. Peter, son of God, and you're a world changer. And I want you to see that these are the same individuals, but they have completely different identities. And the only difference is right there in the middle, the question of who is Jesus Christ to you was asked of him. That's the only thing. It was a question. In the conversation, if you go and look at it, Jesus is right there asking Simon, who do people say, disciples, that Jesus is? And you know, they throw out the answer. Some say you're Ezekiel. Some say you're like Jeremiah. Some say you're a preacher like John the Baptist, right? You're a miracle worker, a prophet, or you're, you know, one of these people. And then Jesus cuts through it and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks rightly because he knew he was more than that. He knew he was more than just a preacher. He knew he was more than a miracle worker. He knew he was more than just a prophet speaking on behalf of God. He says, you are the one that the Old Testament preaches about. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. You're the Christ, is the Greek. You're the Son of God. And Jesus speaks back very clearly to him. Now listen, this is so important right here. It wasn't until he identified Jesus rightly that he gets a new identity. And Jesus speaks very clearly. You are exactly right. And I want you to know, your daddy didn't show you this, but my father who was in heaven revealed this to you. And I tell you, you are Peter. And then he goes on to say all the things he's going to do in the power of Jesus. His identity and then his future activity completely changed. And it was a question that got in there. 
It wasn't a declarative statement. It wasn't, let me, let me tell you something, Peter, and an amen and amen. It was a question that drew it out of him. It was the accelerant to his leadership growth. And aren't we grateful that Jesus led with some incredible questions because we stand in the wake of an incredible church 2,000 years later. Amen? So, as I close, I just want to ask you, what are the questions you need to go back and start asking? Who are the people? Be courageous enough today maybe to find some space in the break or maybe even right now to say, I need to ask my spouse about this. I need to ask my boss about that. I need to ask my, my, my employees this. All right, or, and who are the leaders uh, that you want to develop that you need to start asking great questions of? Be someone, because this is the truth and I'm done. I believe the greatest leaders of tomorrow are going to be the greatest question askers of today. And I believe the greatest leadership developers of tomorrow are the greatest question askers of today. And you're not going to build leadership by dictation and statements you're going to build it with great, humble, critical thinking questions. And you're going to grow just like Jesus did in wisdom, in stature, in favor before God and man. Let me pray and I'll be gone. Father God, help us in this. Lord, I know that as I am up here saying these things, that I need to be the first to ask great questions. Help me to be courageous enough to do so and be humble enough to hear truth. I pray for my friends and their leadership, whether it's in business or church or in parenting, that they would be humble enough and be open enough to ask great questions, God, and that you would bless us, Lord, with this great accelerator of leadership to make us better, make us grow so we could lead better, so we could love better. And Lord, I pray so much that this day you would mark people forever with this kind of a leadership, a question-asking leadership. And we believe it to be true, God, because you have shown us and exemplified us exactly what we're called to do. The great leaders of tomorrow are the great question-askers of today. And we want to be great leaders in Jesus' name for your glory, our joy, and the world's good. And all of God's people said together, amen, amen. Thank you, guys.